which is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Let's watch a full-length movie on you. on a lark and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. One word with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi. I liked your hyphen. I had to throw in the hyphen in full length. It's true to life, you know, using the hyphen. A lot of people ask me about our show. By the way, welcome to our show. Uh, Carl's here. My name is Mike. Our show is Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube here on Mutiny Radio. We're here every Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We stream first on mutinyradio.fm. In the heart of the San Francisco Admission District, what a great shows they have. Go type in mutinyradio.fm. Discover the station uh, and donate. They have several, they have fundraisers, they have Venmo, there is a Patreon page. Do us a favor, throw it in, maybe check out the podcasts uh, on the website. We are also a podcast. We do it by our acronym, L W A F F hyphen L M O Y T. You can find us on uh, your, any of your podcast subscribers, subscriptions, and we also have a YouTube channel. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We talk through the entire movie. We want you to watch the movie and listen to us at the same time. If you don't have that patience, just go to our YouTube channel where Carl has meticulously synced up our podcast to the movie we are watching. Carl, what is the movie we are watching this week? Today we will watch The Christian Licorice Store. Yes, yes, we're going to do that. The Christian Licorice Store. Now, licorice is L-I-C-O rice. L-I-C-O-R-I-C-E. 1971. Okay, so we are going to go. And uh, who? which channel is this movie on? We like Dino Luca Maria Carboni. Oh, all right. With the accent? Um, Dino Luca Maria Carboni. Luca Maria Caboni is the subscription channel on YouTube that is hosting the licorice. The the Chinese, no, not the Chinese licorice store, the Christian (laughs) licorice store. Man, I have I have three four questions already, (laughs) just for the four word title. All right, uh, so we want you to find that link. 
find the, the version, click the link, hit pause immediately. We're going to pause it and we want you to move it to the left. And when you hear go, click go. Well, we're very excited. We have a celebrity comedian who will say go as part of our feature Celebrity Comedian Countdown. This gives you a chance to find the movie on YouTube. This gives you a chance to learn about a comedian. Celebrity. Countdown. A celebrity comedian. That's right. We've had some good celebrity comedians, Carl. I don't yeah. hear them before we, we record, but I was just listening to our most recent episode, and I don't know. This shit's interesting. You're pretty good at this shit, dude. Yeah, I know what to ask, and I know who to ask it of. Uh -huh. and of course, the best interview I've ever done is Andy Quinn. Oh, yeah, you can find it. It's very easy to find what movie and who our guest star is by going to the website and taking a guest because our podcasts are listed by the date we broadcast on mutinyradio.fm. All right, take it away, Carl. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Celebrity Comedian, Comedian Countdown, this time with Johnny Hollywood. Johnny! Hey, cloud dog, yay! Okay, so you are a for real ass comedian. You've been on Impractical Jokers. We've seen you on True TV. One of the things I'm impressed with you about is even though you're a real comedian out there doing gigs, you have yeah. the balls to show up at all these open mics. Try out your mater new material. Mingle with these open micers. Yeah, I guess I do that. Now, one of the things I'm impressed with you about is you have this incredible drive to be in stand-up. I mean, you don't even have a day job. <laughs> Who says you need a day job, Carl? If you have a drive to be a stand-up comedian, usually it's important that you don't have a day job. That way, you're up at night, you're available, you can be out there and... And, and, uh, and you know, working on it every night, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Paul, Paul used... Paul, uh, no filter Paul used to tell a joke about um, my wife says I don't see her anymore, and I'm like, that's great because I'm only doing comedy uh, eight days a week. <laughs> At one of those gigs, I think it was in uh, uh, not Garfield, it was in Elmwood Park. I, I sang the Beatles song eight days a week. It was right. Paul's got a good marriage because he's out there doing comedy eight days a week. You're very good. That yes. got a roar, but it was an inside joke, right? Sure. That's, that's, yeah, that's a lot legs. of the problems with open mics. They're all, <laughs> a lot of it gets inside. It gets really clicky, and the guys don't have any ambition to do more than that open mic. They become professional open micers. Um, you should definitely be spreading it out and going to as many different open mics as possible. I mean, I used to drive literally like 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes three hours, just to go to a different open mic. Okay, so now it is time for everyone at home to watch this movie with us. They got a press play at the exact time as we do. So let's hear a paste comedian countdown with Johnny Hollywood right now. Three, two, one, go. Oh, let's crank up the music. I got the audio. Oh, uh, we want to give a shout. I really. Uh... Is that That's the Great Tunnel or the or the Bay Area after the Golden Gate Bridge? No, the, New Jersey, the New Jersey comic, you've seen a lot of tunnels, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You gotta go with it up. Oh, uh, my fans, it's a bridge and tunnel crowd. This looks like uh, Marin County, north uh, when you take the Golden Gate Bridge, you yeah. have to go through a tunnel. The San, 
Right, but and especially the hills, how they're all barren wilderness. It's California. It, this must be a metaphor or a simile. Well, you know, I I don't know. You see, the beginning of a film is supposed to give you atmosphere and mood, but right. we're really not coming back here. We are getting atmosphere and mood. It establishes this California. There's a tunnel that you go, and at the end of the tunnel, uh oh, it looks like someone got fucked up. There's construction. Danger. Danger. Yeah. So it's symbolic. What a ballsy little director. <laughs> well, this guy, you should like him. He directed half of the monkeys episodes. Okay. I like him. Well, he done then pop sensibility. And that has to be Los Angeles, right? Oh, how barren. It's gotta be LA, yeah. yeah. Okay, now we're about to see the end of the film. Oh. Like in uh, Fox Lux, Lux Fox. Have you seen that movie? It's I good. guess no. Fox Lux. It starts at the ending and it rolls the end credits at the beginning of the film. Fox Lux. B-O-X-L-U-X. And I'm okay. sure I got the title wrong. Look oh. out, dude. DeLorean's going to get fucked up. Yeah. Now, look, it's not the construction site we saw a minute ago. Oh, Oh, we got psyched out. They showed us the wrong tunnel, potentially. I think that's a stunt man. Yeah, that's a stunt man. That's not Bo Bridges. It could be a Bo Bridges looking stunt man. Right. Like they exist. Oh, this must be the tunnel. Yeah. Now we're at the in beginning. Modern day. Okay. We just saw the ending, but now we're at a tennis match. Why? Oh, and there's Bo. Right. Now, I'm sure that, like, there's a vendor who's like, licorice, get your licorice. Get your stuff. Available every Sunday. Not available. The meat version, not available on Fridays. Right? They don't sell beef jerky at the licorice, Christian, the Christian right. licorice store on Fridays. Not on no meat. No. It's Lent. Oh, what? A, this guy fucked up. He's a professional tennis player. Carl, cut to the chase. What the fuck is a, li a Christian licorice, licorice store. store? I'm not going to cut to the chase. God. All right. As an audience member, I'm intrigued. You name your now, movie. We're waiting for the licorice vendor. You know, when you go play see tennis, they always come around. Licorice. Get, you could get Twizzlers. They frown on it, but you can. They frown on it. Yeah. Now there's, okay. When I first saw this movie, I've, this is four. Okay. I uh, thought it was the Jeff Bridges. Well, Bo Bridges is a handsome man, and uh, he was a handsome man as a young man as well, as you can yeah. see. Yeah, he definitely, uh, he still looked like he did, you know, at the height of his popularity. But I thought it was just a super young Jeff Bridges, so right. I incorrectly watched the beginning of this film because he turns his face, it's not, it's not Jeff, it's Bo. So I was be looking at him like, he, gosh, he was young. Well, he we haven't so seen we haven't seen the opening credits, so we don't know which bridges this could be. So you're but probably you've like seen this film. All right, you've seen this film four times. I've seen it once. Okay. Once. Okay. Did so I make heads? All the reporters are like, "You won today. What's? Give me your yeah. scoop." Now it's just overkill for the reality of how many people would be there. Okay. I but mean, think about how image. many sports magazines are here. There's Sports Illustrated, Sports Monthly, Sports Weekly, right. Daily Sports. The Daily Sports Sports, sports Racing Tip uh, Sheet. There's Illustrated Sports of... 
Oh, man, it was rough. Before Sports Illustrated, people had to read text-only sports monthly. Oh, no. Oh, God, what a headache. Pictures, right? Well, sometimes they would use the letters to make, like, a tennis player, like, using a... (laughs) Creative. It was on that purple paper. Yeah, right, yeah. (laughs) Mimeograph, stapled. (laughs) It was part of the Prince Center uh, thing. So he's the mentor? Okay, so this yeah. guy is a former tennis star, and he is the coach, okay? His name's JC, and he'll be a big part of our film. In yeah. reality, he's a guy who was in silent films and made the transition into sound, one of the few who actually did it. That's cool. Yeah. What a cool guy. So we're, we're actually being introduced to him from one of the talkies he did later in his career. Right. Now, his yeah. name's Gilbert Rolland. He's Mexican, and... He stopped in the 80s, but he started in the 20s. Wow. Yeah, I'd love to check more of him out. He was uh, in the Cisco Kids series. The, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he was in uh, When We Were Strangers, Bad and the Beautiful, Thunder Bay. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen him. He was a big guy at the time. Did spaghetti westerns, too. Now he's a tennis player mentor. Okay, now. We're looking at Maude Adams, and in this movie, her name is Cynthia, which is the name of my comedian wife, okay? Carl, I'm so disappointed that you did not say, then came Maude. Then came Maude. You had to get the, I'm getting that one out of the way. And then came Maude, I don't get the joke. There's Alan Arbus. Not right now in the red sweater. I don't get the joke. There was a TV show that I never saw because it wasn't syndicated when I was watching TV called Maud. I remember Maud. So that then came Maud. Is that the name? Oh, that's the theme song. Right. I rarely checked out that show. It It wasn't really on that much. Archie Bunker spinoff. Yeah. So it was Archie Bunker, and then it was the Jeffersons. uh, Right. They were neighbors or something. And then uh, I don't. Yeah, they moved in. Yeah, uh, and then there was. Uh, oh, go ahead. Archie well, we're just meeting Maude Adams, and we're meeting Alan Arbus. Now, Maude, I'm just going to call her. Uh, Eric, can I call her Cynthia? Cynthia. Okay, and 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 he's Monroe. So, like, he's I don't know what his job is or anything, but she's a photographer. And as she's leaving the, like, carnival circus thing they just took photos of, she goes, call me to Alan Arbus. So we're introduced to him as a love interest of Maude, okay? Alan Arbus, right? So that's like Barney Miller, right? I don't know. I've, I've seen his face. Well, I know We saw him in Palace, Palace, uh, Gunther's uh, Palace, uh, Greaser's Palace. Oh, Robert Downey Sr.'s film. He was the Jesus character who came down in the parachute. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. He was on the fucking poster. I got you. I remember him. Now, this is a Hollywood party. And, Carl, I've only seen this once, so I have no idea. But I figure that these are all real Mm -hmm. Hollywood people because half the the cast are actual directors, like good directors. That's exactly right. This is... The director called in a lot of favors, but mostly the producer, the executive producer, called in a lot of favors. Um, His name was um, 
uh, Michael Laughlin. Mike, no, uh, well, I'll talk about it in a minute. Sure. We are seeing a who's who, and I failed you as a researcher. No, no, Carl, I'm telling you, this is this would we would have to watch this film more than four times. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Look for Howard Hessman from WKRP in Cincinnati, who was okay. also in our munchies. The voice, the voice only in munchies. Director Monty Hellman, who was going to direct this film but didn't like the script but knew the author, he's in it. Do, uh, do, you, do you recall where he is? You know, we saw one of his films. Monty Hellman? Which yeah. one? Uh, a little film called Cockfighter. Oh, wow. That was yeah. a good back. So he and he did Tulane, uh, high, high, fuck, uh, Tulane, yeah, uh, Tulane Blacktop, Blacktop. That was written by the same guy who wrote ours. And that's oh. how we got him to be in it. Like, well, that's pretty cool. He, and this is kind of a monkey thing. It. Yeah. So we're seeing a really a who's who of Hollywood in 1969. That's really what year this was shot. Uh, George Krigo, Robert Kaufman, Barney Miller creator, Ted Flicker. Wow. You see, our director came to L.A. as a actor first, and he was an improv group that had uh, Ted Flicker in it and other names you'd know. George Siegel, um, Buck Henry was in it. The group was called The Premise. And so just through his networking, you know, years later, he's doing a movie with, uh, you know, he's, so Ted Flickers in The Party. He'd go on to make Barney Miller. And, of course, we know Alvin, Alan Arvis was on it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, all right. That's cool. Well, I this have to say, cool. it's funny you say, like, he's a monkey's writer because it right. does have a structure. It's a really weird experimental, yeah. like, yeah. first film. I made a first film structure. Like, this right now, we're being introduced at a Hollywood party. Right. And it, it's just, and we haven't even seen the credits yet. So he is a he directed. Uh, he didn't write anything here. He directed the monkeys. Like oh, he directed the monkeys. Yeah. yeah. So he's a big deal, and he pretty much just let the camera go. Uh, you know, follow. You know who that guy is? That Robert England? No. I don't know, man. I really failed you <laughs> as a. No, don't even worry about it. I I recognize him from my cologne bottle. <laughs> it should be when I go to that guy, I say, there's Frank Thompson and there's Bill. I should be. Able I feel to like we should be able to do that if we watch this film continuously. Like, I think if I watch this film several times and I could figure out who's who, that's how I would do it. Here's this is, yeah, go ahead. So we didn't see Howard Hessman, did we? I don't know. So this is interesting. Good thing of the director. Here's our opening credits. It's 12 minutes into the film. And they're like, the viewing of our film will be in the projection room downstairs. And now we're seeing the credits of our film. It's pretty cool. But it's our film is the character who's in the audience. The movie opens with the characters in the audience watching their own film. Right. With, uh, with the actors. Uh, uh, his two name. of them. Yeah. Yeah. But. They're, these are real names, you know. Lalo Schersen did the music. He's not. A, these are real people. Bo Bridges. So I, I, I don't know. Like Carl, I think this is a great stunt this director did. Like yeah. by pulling this, like having, like you're in Hollywood, you're gonna die in Hollywood. <laughs> you see the way you're gonna die. It starts off with you in Hollywood, and Hollywood presents your story, and that's the way you open the credits. My thing is, where do you go from there? Like, once you set up such a great opening where it's so self-consciously opening a movie, 
once that scene is opening scene is done, you know, you better have a great next scene. Otherwise that deflates the entire movie. Cause we just yeah. went through this like self-conscious, you know, meta cool, but trick, you know, it should deliver next and directors do that, but it's just, sometimes you see a movie where, eh, you know, like it's clever, you know, you should write your movie backwards. Did you ever see Pootie Tang where it starts off? He, he's talking like Bob Costas and they have a clip from the movie and they show the entire movie. And at the end, they, they go back to the, the set and he goes, Oh, we were just going to play the trailer. We just played the whole movie. <laughs> and it was, you know, that was, you know, I did see that film, but I guess I blanked that film out because it was really bad. And so I didn't like, it, you know, like, it's not just a bad reputation. You watch that film and you're like, I don't want to watch it. It's <laughs> you yeah. Okay, so now we have the inciting incident, okay? And it's kind of late in our film, but boy meets girl. That's what happens here. That what the, This movie is about not, their relationship. Yeah, I think they have chemistry in this movie, right? I mean, like, they're going to... It's, it's, I like Mud Adams, and Young Bob Bridges is good. And they were sexually attracted to each other in real life. Oh. Yeah. Sources, uh, anonymous sources say on set. Well, I mean, extra, extra. Bridges says it, the director said it. This one woman called up the director and had a inter phone interview with him about this movie. The guy was 85 years old in Palm Springs. I don't wow. know what year this was. He, maybe he passed on, I'm not sure. But he, that interview really gave me a lot of insight. Oh, no shit. Film. Yeah. Did he talk about, was it theatrically released or was it just in film? Festival? Well, I mean, he didn't really talk about that. He was a little embarrassed about it. It's theatrical release was horrible. Uh, first of all, they didn't like the movie and they sat on it for two years. This thing was shot in 69 and done. Um, the film opened November 24, 71 at the Paris Theater in Boston, four theaters in Detroit. It was also in 71 screened in Greenwich Village. Huh. That's it. And it also never came out on DVD or VHS. I know. That's the crazy part. I'll tell you how I found this film. I was looking for another film, and I believe it was on the channel, the Dino, our friend Dino channel. And right. uh, I, I, as I do, I always check the, the channel's uh, videos. What yeah, yeah, what else do you have? And there was this, and I couldn't believe it. Look at this, Mahala Drive, right? Right. I don't know if it's Mulholland Drive. I don't know. It has, to be. Location. it has to be. It has yeah, to be. You're, you're a Los Angeles native. You remember this. Well, sure. I lived in Growing Los up Angeles. in Los Angeles. Yeah. You lived off of Mulholland Drive. You can still see are. You can still see your tent over there. Look right there. Your tent right <laughs> off the side of the road. Uh, where do you live in Los Angeles? Off of Mulholland Drive. The good old days, you used to be able to hang out that Hollywood sign and drink bourbon. Oh, but yeah. Nowadays. Right. Nowadays, okay, they're... this was filmed, it says in Houston, Texas, and I think that's the trip, but uh, William Pereira's L.A. CMA and theme building, Johnny's Coffee Shop, all L.A., Pacific Coast Highway, Soledad Canyon, Morro Rock. Um, I didn't get down to the specifics. I didn't find them of like, okay, okay. they're on Mulholland Drive now. But they're in Los Angeles. They're not in Texas, right? Right. They're going to take it. They're going to separate for a trip, and I guess he goes to Texas. Right. So what's happened here is everyone went downstairs to watch the film. 
but not Maud. She on purpose bumps into Bo. That's what I'm saying. So the main character, the characters, get to see a movie about themselves, but they leave and they don't watch the movie. If had they stayed, they would have realized they're going to die in that tunnel. No, they never went to the movie. No, he was in the audience. He but he saw Maude. He's like, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check out this lady. <laughs> and he gets up and he leaves his own movie. He stayed for the opening, the title where it said Bo Bridges. This movie's intense. So they hook up there and don't and she goes she, he she goes, he goes, Don't you want to didn't you want to see the movie? And she says, I wanted to wait and see what you did. Like, you know, letting him, I mean, they're just met. Right. And she goes, well, he goes, well, like, did I make the right choice? And she goes, I think so. So they went to cook at her house and now they're going to become a couple. But they don't eat the food, right? They won't eat the food. Well, how do they cook for nothing? Hey, come on. You want to come over to my place and make a dinner? Yeah, sure. What's for dinner? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Some carrots. I don't want to cook something. Of course, they have a candle. They no. sat on this movie because this movie has yeah. like a vibe of like this is my first film. Yeah, it, you know, but it's it takes so many great hits, swings, you know, like even you know, it's it, it's cool. I don't know. The it does scene. do some good things. Now there is a dream sequence. It's the best thing about the film, I think. Um, when we get to that scene, I'll tell you. Okay. Does the, in the dream sequence, is there a Christian licorice store? <laughs> All right. I'll just tell you. There's a guy who's a song, uh, like a folk singer kind of person, like one of those singer songwriters with a guitar, and he's in the film. <clears throat> he's got a song uh, called Pleasant Street. Pleasant Street. Okay. okay. It says... The lyrics are, you don't remember what to say, you don't remember what to do, you don't remember where to go, you don't remember what to choose. You wheel, you steal, you feel, you kneel down, and all the stony people walking around in Christian licorice clothes, I can't hesitate, I can't wait for Pleasant Street. That's it. Christian licorice clothes became Christian licorice store. There's no reason. So the lyrics are about a guy who feels... Uh, alienated from people hating him, but he doesn't care about your moral clothes. And that's what he's about. That's a Bo Bridges thing. This is what yeah. he never saw. He, he should have so stayed for the, they should have stayed for the movie, like, and they would have lived. You it gotta sequel. It out. Okay, the guy who wrote this and was a producer is called Floyd Mutt Vroom, vroom. And he picked the name. He, you remember the Hollywood Nights in 1980? Yeah, right. I haven't seen it. I know of it. Oh, you never saw it? Okay. Oh, I, I think it's, I read about it. Go and find Hollywood Nights. You should see that. So I think he was you know, he's still in. All right. He's still in. So anyway, Island. he made that film. That's um, okay. I won't go on about him. It's just that he had a big part in have, making this thing happen. Oh, look, it's Wilson from uh, Castaway. Yeah, it's his yeah. first ever. This is his premiere film. He's not credited. Not credited. Okay? Well, yeah, I mean, ironically, it is. It is. Like jacket. He said, yeah. like, yeah, can I at least have my name in the movie? And they said, all right. Bonds. John. John I. 
Johnny, Johnny, oh, multiple Johnnies, Johnnies. Look at that, I bet that place does not exist. So now we're having a montage of two men about town. Let's get some roasted chicken for a dollar of 25. And I think all they're trying to do is say, this guy's his mentor, he's right by his side, he's his partner through everything. Look, they're reading the newspaper in a diner. I'm so glad I went to this movie. <laughs> I never have a chance to see that on the big screen instead of walking by it on the, on the street. Ah, uh, did you see Marmaduke? That was really funny. You see how he was swiping? Like, even though it was a manual thing, like when you turn the pages when you yeah. read the paper, you were swiping. We invented swiping. Well, you notice that he went to the very corner and pulled it because it was like dog-eared already. Right, right. Yeah. And then eating a hot dog and we then going to a payphone. payphone. Yeah. Now, she, Maude Adams was a model, and she only had eaten a hot dog because the, the director said, roll them. You know she didn't eat hot dogs. At this point in my life, I would not eat a hot dog and then go to a payphone. I would probably, like, pace myself. <laughs> I would not walk into a payphone with a hot dog. Now, you know, maybe I'm older. You know, Stan Lee? It's That's a guy. A Stan Lee cameo. Oh, almost yeah. every Barbie Twins. Hugh Hefner having a beer. Now, Maude started. Adams was, um, she broke, she was a model, but she broke into film pretty quick. She was in Rollerball as the love interest, not the love interest, like a sort James of Con. wife of James Caan, yeah. Yeah, she oh. said, honey, what are you, where are you going? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go outside. I'll be right back. Yeah. You're right. going to go Rollerball. No, but she, that scene, she, he was, he let her go. She oh, was yeah. a right. She was. I don't a, remember that movie. Oh, okay. Um, but really, she was a Bond girl, the man right. with the golden gun, Octopussy. She was an extra in A View to a Kill. She was just there to meet to see Roger Moore, and they they made was her. Was the same? Was he the same character? No, no. Was he Octopussy? She was okay. Um, I saw Octopussy. I don't remember. I don't remember that movie. She uh, she was the only actress to play a title role in a Bond movie, which she did in Octopussy in 83. Boom. She played secondary Bond girl in The Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, and she was visiting Roger Moore, and they just put her in the film in The View to a Kill. Nice. Okay, so they met each other at the party. They had a little, you know, sex. Uh -huh. And we saw a day of the two of them apart, and now they're taking a drive together. And we're going to now meet the legendary director, um, uh, Renoir, Jean Renoir. Jean Renoir. Jean Renoir. Now, the thing is, the credits don't say France, like the, this was a filming location, but I mean. This is France? I don't the interior? know. Jean, okay, Jean Renoir was a very famous director lived of French films. He's actually the son of, you know, Renoir, that artist. Yeah, from, and the only film I know of is his Grand Illusion, and I don't even think I've seen it. Uh, yeah, La Grande Illusion, 1937. Oh, Rules of the Game, no? Yeah, he, he, oh, really, from Monopoly and Scrabble? I love his work. <laughs> I'm very familiar. And, His Citizens uh, of Catan was genius. So 
he, the executive producer's wife was a family friend of the Renoirs in France. She was like a French lady, a Claudia, blah, 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 blah. And um, so they just asked him. He called in all these favors. He agreed to do it. I can't see him flying all the way to L.A. to do it, but this was the last major motion picture he was in, even though its release was so pathetic. This is his last. And he's just talking about life. Yeah, he's talking about a book he's writing, and he's complimenting Maud on how pretty she is, and she's, he's saying that he sees the two of them being a couple, and he goes like, marry her, you will be happier for all your days. Go ahead, li listen to him if you want. Okay. Marry her. <laughs> Live the rest of your life with her day. About tomorrow, about today. So good you in my book. I guess that's the beginning of it all I'm witnessing now. <laughs> See, there's the talking I about them being together. But it, okay, but it, so. Wait, go ahead, keep it up, keep it up. You to have the limitation on to stand the screen. You should also walk a little bit in real life. Uh, this is just one take, you and you're gonna put it in the movie. It's a single take. I'm not gonna reshoot my my conversation. Chicken, chicken. That's wonderful. You don't need it. <laughs> hey, how, how come that uh, tree is so strangely shaped? Because this tree died. You know, the, the big trunk, which is so beautiful in the middle, is a dead tree. And this tree, even being dead, had a certain uh, lust for life. Now, you're right about this, the scene. It was a one-take scene. It was completely improvised. The only thing the director wanted was Jean Renoir in his, his um, Pierre-Auguste Renoir in his film. Sort of like bragging rights. So he talked about it in that interview in his retirement home. Jean Renoir was a favor. He's like a Picasso, one of the great men of all time, a great filmmaker. So we allowed, we were allowed to be in his house for the afternoon. That's why I think it's in France. Makes sense. The partner. And you, that, that is, that's what they seek. Now, be on the lookout for Colonel Henry Blake. The internet tells me this is his first film ever. He plays a character called Smallwood. I never saw him once, and I saw this film three times. The Renoir thing, I, I saw this once. When he was talking, I was really interested. Like, he was talking about them. But then I realized, like, He's a famous person. Right. Uh, he's a famous director, and he he's made better movies. The same thing as Monty Hellman. It's like it just. And then he then I'm like I get back to what he's saying, and I have no idea what he's saying because he's just <laughs> like about. So I, that's what I was going to bring up. But I, I'm sorry about that, Carl. Now this guy also did the Muppet movie. This director. Oh, great. So you see, he would be go on to do great things. Now the thing is. He directed 58 episodes of The Monkees, and then he shot this film. He's only 33 years old here. He okay. would go on to do, like, Cagney and Lacey, Smallville, Judging Amy, Ghost Whisperer. You know, he was out there.
Oh yeah, check this out, Mike. His father was Fred Mertz in in I Love Lucy. There you go. That's his dad. That's how I know. That's his connection to Renoir. Then he's like, oh yeah, I'm a big I Love Lucy fan. <laughs> My favorite is that unhappy couple. They would uh, walk into the house together. That's my dad. Now, we never saw Fred Mertz's bedroom because they slept in a, the same bed. They weren't in separate beds. They were not happy. Like Lucy and, and Ricky, they were happy because they, they slept in separate beds. Right, exactly. And, you know, Lucy had her sleep apnea machine, and that proposed its own challenges. Oh, yeah. So they had separate beds. They couldn't say sleep apnea machines back in the 50s. They would have to, like, say, oh, that event. <laughs> Very controversial. It was the first sitcom to bring it up. Now, this is really, like, I don't know. I think we're supposed to think of it as, like, their relationship, them sharing. But in truth, it's Bo Bridges talking about his childhood. Like, okay, now we're they're going to separate because... Bo is going on a trip, and so she'll be home alone while he is, I guess this is when they go to Texas, while he plays a match. And the thing is, like, they have very separate experiences, but they both, like, go on dates. Are there birds over by you? Oh, do you hear birds? Yeah. Yeah, they're always around. I had the windows open. The whole neighborhood could hear me. Now, look, you remember airplane food? Right. Yeah, you get it with a side of wine. I guess they're in first class, but people don't know that in coach, you would get a meal. You would get a sort of TV dinner kind of meal. That's a very TV dinner looking meal. Yeah. Well, they got a lot of anemones. Look, there's a pay rotary phone right behind them. Like now, what wanna... he's saying is, like, you got they want you to do a commercial. And he goes, should I do it? And he's like, eh, you know what? I mean, he was a tennis player. He's not a manager like, yeah, he wants money. He's more of a manager. I don't know if it's a real person in the real world. But, but he's advising him not to take the commercial. Just focus on tennis. Like a Wheaties box? Yeah, that kind of thing. I think it was for a hairspray. And he goes, I don't even use hairspray. And he goes, I know, that didn't seem to discourage them. This is pretty cool. You see, like, you're a silent movie star, and then you're like, yeah, I get to play a first-class traveler. Now, he started in the 20s, and talkies came what? Late 20s, early 30s. Late, yeah, right. So... We saw like um, Harry Langdon from the twenties and the General and and uh, Buck, Fatty Arbuckle on our show, so like he came from that era. But we really don't know what his parts were. It might have been that he wasn't a star and he couldn't real. He didn't have a problem to transition to talkies because he wasn't one of the stars of right. Silence. And he has a good voice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's another Wilson. Ripped his head right off, poor Wilson. Ooh, I always wanted to know it was like to play tennis in the early 70s. Oh, late 60s. 
Yeah, this is 1969. Yeah. You have to wear a sweater. Right. No. It's tennis. Yeah. Boing, boing. Good taunt. Yeah, these bands feel good. Everything looks all right. <laughs> now, the oh, right. wife of this executive producer, she also got Maude Adams to be in this film. She did a lot for this, uh, this, this uh, movie. When I watched this film, and I, I only watched it because it looked like a talkie. I just wanted to make sure I knew what they were saying. Uh -huh. But he goes, uh, okay, M or W, when they're picking who serves first. And oh, then right. uh, and then he spun the Wilson racket. So the M, the W turned into an M while it spun, and then it stopped, and then it was so-and-so. I, I, I didn't even notice. I noticed that the very first time I watched it ever, but I forgot about it. I didn't even notice that other times. And it's kind of weird. I guess that's a standard thing. You would know if you were a tennis person, right? Right. You think everyone here was excited playing extras in uh, the Christian liquor store? They signed a release form. <laughs> there was a craft service table. Here's another thing. Before the match, they're friendly lobbing a ball together, you know, volleying a ball. Does that sound right either? In tennis, you... I don't know, you know... I came to, I was very disappointed in my first uh, tournament when I went there. I was yeah. like, oh, I thought there was going to be sets. <laughs> like I had my list. I you was had ready. your five minutes ready. Yeah, yeah. There's no sets tonight. And yeah. whack. Whoa, we got him. We got, oh, we got him good. Golf clap. Golf clap. Okay, he's winding up and hit pitch. Oh, it's, we got him. A lot of the stuff so far in this film is impressive. That shot of the plane going up and the fact that Bo Bridges is playing tennis. Like, you know, what? how many actors do you know would be like, okay, uh, I'll play tennis. I'll learn tennis <laughs> for a role. I wouldn't. Yeah, money's money. He was young. Yeah. Maybe he knew how to play tennis. I guess uh, the real Bo Bridges was a basketball player of, and a big deal, even though he wasn't a tall person. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but he played college ball and he was offered like an NBA thing, seriously. But he became an actor instead. Um, all my write-up about him here is all about his family, you know. Who's his dad? Who's his brother? Yeah. Whack. Yeah. Ew. 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 Gross. Oh, phew. Let me get out of here. Now we're with Maud, and who should be there but Creepy Monroe? Now, Monroe yeah. is a jerk in this film. Like, she's like, call me. He's trying to, like, get in her pants, but at the same time, he he, he nags her. It's, it's weird. Looks like he's trying to get into her wardrobe. <laughs> they almost match. Oh, he, yeah, yeah he, what, he berates her? Yes. Uh, no, berate means, like, basically he criticizes her. You smoke too much. You you need to make a dis I, I don't know. He, like, yeah. badgers her. And he's on a date with her. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, see if it works, I guess. Not going to work. 
Now, Bo is. Oh. Okay. You see, JP's making notes. It's JC. JC's making notes. His note is, name is Jonathan Carruthers. JC. JC. I thought he was scratching a scratcher. <laughs> oh, you thought it was. Uh, what's a scratcher? Like a, one of those lottery cards. Oh, he's doing a scratch off. Well, he's got a pen. Oh, yeah. So he's writing. And we find a quarter. Bowbridge is like fucking up in this match. Wow. We flew all the way to Texas to watch him screw up. I guess this is exciting. So, so far, there's a storyline, right? Uh, the storyline is Boy Meets Girl. So, the storyline so far is this guy's an up and coming tennis player. He's got a good mentor, coach, person. He meets a girl, they go on a date. It looks like they're going to get together. They meet Renoir, and now they're separated. Now, when right. he gets back, it's the first time he's a little mean to her, you see. See, Bobo just keeps losing. He keeps missing the ball. You probably realize he sucks in tennis. Like, what am I doing here? It's good. This is a story plot. Usually they, they win. Right. We've seen that before. Like the bowling film we saw. Yeah. And like just win, win, win. The, that sports montage of him losing. I like the 80s song that they were. You're a loser. Do, do, do. Get on the church court and lose. Zero love for you. Well, this was filmed in 69, so they were playing the Beatles song. Oh, yeah. How did that go? I'm a loser. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a loser, and I'm not what I appear to be. Well, then what's the Tim Buckley song? Maybe we could get some loser in there. Uh, the Tim Buckley song will be played, and you could turn up the music sure. when, yeah, Maude will be taking pictures of him. Is is uh, Monroe with her? Monroe is not. Monroe's going to go away after he acts like an asshole at dinner. All right. Hey, loser. Yeah, well, we're in the middle right now, and he's giving him, you're not following through on your backhand. Backhand. This, you're playing his game. He's got to play your game. Okay. It, turn it up, because he's going to berate Maud. Like, I think you're right to use that word. I don't know if you're right. No, it's negative. There's a term for it. I know how to take care of myself, don't you? No, don't. He's, he's on a date. That's a good point. Keep it on, keep it on. Say it. You also smoke too much. Okay, that's good. I just wanted you to hear what a jerk he was. But look, now I failed you as a researcher. I cannot find out who that man is on stage. It looks like- Oh, no problem. Stage. 
this place is so weird. Okay, I've only seen this yes. film once, but it's like a nightclub or a guy's house or something. So, oh no, it's a nightclub right here. I guess the Hollywood House Mansion. But yeah, it's cool. It's like you have a dinner, you have a brandy. You sit down, and there's a brandy waiting for you, or you sit down on a table yeah. and someone left. You drink their leftover brandy. Right. Yeah. And it's so much cheaper your night when you do that. You look for, I usually look for those uh, bottle service. Like if someone left a bottle, I would sit on that table and then just, it's easy because you could just drink from the bottle. <laughs> and you're actually helping them because it's a lighter bottle to take off the table. That's very true. Yeah. I'm for the common man. So, He's having a much better night than she was. There's Meatloaf, I guess. Oh, it's back a horrible when I, song, horrible song. This is back when he was Tuna Helper. <laughs> so we're in Texas. I guess, yes. The pawn shops. Houston. It is Meatloaf. He's got this horrible song. I would, I would Google it a million ways. Performers in the Christian liquor store, licorice store, uh, musical performances. Just try music. You know, I just couldn't. Find it. I I googled it and uh, Google shut me down. They said, "Yeah, yeah, we don't want you to know." He, yeah, right. He we're paid to not allow this. He does not want you to know. Okay, so you can see they're both on dates. Hers is shitty and his is sexy. Well, let's be attracted to losers. <laughs> now, you did you see that her boobs were used as flotation devices? You see them on a trampoline, and that's really before, like, you know, America's home videos, right? Right. Everyone would get their asses kicked on a trampoline oh yeah back then it was perfectly safe look at his unshaved face right that's pretty cool oh and there's a so she's literally going to the airport right she's going to the airport now this is a pre 9 11 time so she'll be able to walk right up to the gate when he gets off the plane where he gets off the plane this is lax you know i could tell man because of the uh that runway it's still the same after all these years yeah, I can tell what this airport lacks. LAX. Oh, yeah. That, see, there you go. There it is. There it is. Look like a Fisher-Price design, right? Fisher-Price yeah. toys. I always think like Batman. It's like a villain. Ah, movie. yeah. Or it's a revolving restaurant. Justice League. <laughs> I guess that's the one, right? The Justice League. Yeah. Or uh, C-Lab 2020. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So this was before when they were, when it was Earth Lab, Ground Lab. Grandma, Lax Lab. Now look how she just parks. Right, opens up her car. Yeah. Oh, She's I broke down. Every, that's going to fool everyone, Maud. Oh, that's what you do back in the day at the airport. You would drive up to the curb. Open up your truck, like, and then go in there, and it'll be like, oh, put your lights on. You remember when we were kids, you'd see cars broke down the side of the road all the time, all the time. You don't see that today. No. Well, people have better access to calling. and Now, Maud took the conveyor belt because it was quicker <laughs> to get in to the airport. 
Have you guys seen my camera? It was I checked it in. It's just, oh, there it is. It's on the conveyor belt. Now look what the director does. He gives Bo Bridges stress. Okay, so he goes to Texas, loses, cheats on his girl. Now he can't get his bag. So it doesn't really lead anywhere good, but Okay, see, their relationship's going to start to deteriorate. So he does a half-assed job of, he doesn't do it in a good sequence, in my opinion, you know, because there's breaks of, now they're going to be happy to see each other, you know? It's, well, I understand what he's doing, but I, I don't know if it was well done. This is all going to lead to them driving into a tunnel and dying. No, they will have, be estranged at that point. Oh. oh, Bridges will die. As a matter of fact, after he's dead, he'll still be his commercial that he did that she advised him not to do will be on the TV and she'll be watching it, not knowing that he's gone. That's good closure. Oh, so this is a, uh, a parable about the being young and talented in a corrupt uh, city, Los Angeles. Yeah, it is about getting corrupted by the Hollywood lifestyle, but it's not really done very well. I mean, Bo Bridges does the brooding. Bo, it wasn't like exterior forces separated them, like he took the movie role and now he ignores her. That doesn't happen. Nice to meet you, JC. JC, this is Wilson, Wilson, JC. <laughs> oh, I've heard promising things about you, young man. Yeah. A fellow silent movie star, I see. Wow, he has a camera like this isn't like a blue screen shot either. Like they no, have it's that like a trailer. They're on a trailer, probably. Yeah. Now he like there's they're lying about what they did on their, you know, while the other you know, while they were apart. Oh, I, I won all these games. It's great. Look, it's not a trailer. But maybe like they're in a fruit truck in front of them. Oh, nope. Whoa, dude. That was dangerous. Cut, cut. Cut. <laughs> Would you mind biking out of my shot? Hey, you know, for the next scene, can I just sit in the back seat? I think that'll be safer. Now I'm the director's giving seat. him more stress. They're looking for a parking spot. Are you leaving? No. Oh, here's a spot. There's going to be an old lady, not uh, an old lady, but here's, here it is. Turn it up, turn it up. Go down the block. Go on. This spot is reserved. My husband's going around the block. Yeah, that's cool. She brought her a chair. When they have people sit down, they put a chair and they sit down in the parking yeah. lot. Or they just leave the chair. Now, she passed the only good spot. So he's furious he's in a polite way. So he's like, that's it. I'm driving. People are honking at him. Is that his car? Like, what's with this weird yellow car? I guess it's her car. It is her car. Oh, right. He, he had the other one. Right. She met Monroe while she was driving away in that car. So now he's like being mean to her. Like, would you leave me alone, please? He's just frustrated. But. You would think that would lead to a continued segment of them declining, but it, it gets interrupted again. These rude um, sailor guys come up and like, 
insult him. He's not a man and try to take his girl. And then Bo Bridges gets slick and he says, he goes, hey guys, we just got back from the hospital and we, my wife had a miscarriage. We'd like to be alone. Is it okay? And they're like, ah, uh, yes. You know? Oh, I'm going to hear. All right. So I'm going to get this number. Excuse me, fellas. Uh, my wife and I just came from the hospital. She had a miscarriage. We missed the taunting. It was a good reverse when Bo shut this thing down. That's a shitty thing to say, though. Yeah. Well, it is, but they were being pig assholes. They were, like, saying, this guy's not a man. Can you believe she's going out with him? You know, so they could overhear. Why don't we help her out? Okay. Excuse me, buddy. Right? And he goes, right. uh, we had a... Okay, this is a weird scene. I don't think it's improvised, but it feels that way. It's just them having lunch or something, but he's going to reminisce about the good old days of L.A. Oh, yeah. Before, as one does. As one does. But before it really became Hollywood, like it is today, sort of like in the silent era when they were all making fish burgers, really, you know? Right, out in the woods. But now it's a super populated place. Like, the town grew around him, so. Is a cop driving past your L.A. home right now? I heard the siren, did it? Yeah, it's still going. Are you in the mean streets? You're in the hood? Oh, I'm in the Mission District, in the studio. Oh, right, yeah. right. Yeah, me too. I'll be at Pamtastic's Funhouse tonight. No, yeah, right. And then I'll be uh, at the Late Show, the Midnight Show. I'll be locking up the studio. Ooh, middle finger. Middle finger, fuck you. Fuck you and your tennis skills. I should uh, I have the windows open. It was kind of a mistake today. Your ride's here, Mike. Uh, hey, I gotta go. My ride's here. There was that super bad movie, and he's like, "Would you please handcuff me?" And or maybe it was the cop's idea. Remember that scrying right. little guy? Get off me, cop! <laughs> they put him in the car just to get a buzz going around his school or whatever it was. So this scene just drones on and on and on. Um, you know what? Someone called the cops on me for uh, stepping on your uh, the your research. That was good. Yeah. I just felt like this is another example. Like they just let this guy go and it's, he does these great stages and then the static conversation, you're just like, well. Yeah. You know, he believes that he was making a European style film and like a lot of the internet believes that too, but I just kind of don't see it. Um, <clears throat> where I think I have some flowerly language about that somewhere. By the way, Laverne and Shirley were going to be on this film. They ended up on the cutting room floor. He didn't know who he had. He had both Penny Marshall and Sandy Williams in very small parts wow. in this film. Five years before Laverne and Shirley. But it, they didn't make it into the film. They were uh, cast out of the store. Clearance. But the thing is, if Laverne and Shirley appeared in the same film, this would have been a talking point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure people would know this film. They would they would be on the right. cover of the box. It Sorry, would have Penny Marshall. 
Anthony Williams. So JC is done remembering the old days. And so he goes, well, I was planning to die this evening, so I really must get to it. So now he's gone off to die in his sleep. We'll never see him again. That's right. Well, I guess uh, their relationship is better. Yes, yeah, see, that's the thing. Now it's good. Everybody's talking about it. The Christian licorice store. <laughs> <laughs> Christian licorice clothing. So do you For mean like church clothing where it has that color licorice? I don't know what it means. Like so a blouse? She just said, do you think someday we'll be able to tell each other all of our secrets? And he goes, I think so. And then he goes, but then again, maybe not. And it's sort of like a melancholy ending. Still showing us that things will fall apart. All right. But first, uh, hey, crew, let's take a break. That's what I say. <laughs> That's what the director says before he plays pool. He goes, that's your cue to take a break. Camera was behind the eight ball. <laughs> Your camera work. <laughs> okay, so here they are in like the doing it scene, but it's after. And she's like, the best things in life happen when you're naked. But like he's distant and he says stuff like, can you leave me alone, please? But meanwhile, he's all kissing on her and I don't know. Well, it seems like at a certain point he starts to erode, right? Like he's his rising star. He's got, he's here in Hollywood. They made a movie about him. He's the star of his own film, technically. Yeah, but, and but, then but just, his, it's already begun, you see, and he's not doing those things you're talking about. Right, yeah. But then he gets more and more, I guess, irrelevant, right? Like he gets more and more irrelevant as this film goes. Like he can't play tennis he's cheating he's no no he's okay playing tennis and everything um it, it wasn't the beginning of the end he's gonna go on and win and stuff um i don't know okay. this movie's really about their relationship and i gotta tell you the way it falls apart has nothing to do with exterior forces it's all bowbridge's character so it isn't that hollywood corrupted a pure soul, you know? Right. Well, I always felt that way because he does the commercial. That, you know, he wasn't supposed to. Well, she advised not to. JC advised not to. But he broke up with her and JC died. So there was nobody left to say no. Did he really did die? Like, they they just, like, had post-quotal conversation about the death of, like... Oh, that was fantastic. You were great. Hang on, let me catch my breath. Hey, did you hear the news? JC followed up on his, uh, and died. In his sleep. See, this got to be careful. I don't want to get a tennis elbow. Now, they did not really do it in the movie. All right. At least there is no internet report that... PP and the JJ shook hands. 
Sydney, uh, Laverne and Shirley were in bed with them. Okay. <laughs> now here is like a good scene. And in my opinion, like I want to watch the film in this interesting camera work and black and white and dream sequence. It's a, uh, the oppressor. Yeah. He created, he created 80s music videos. <laughs> the bands are plays the referee, the rest of the band. He's the star of the music video and the rest of the band are in the audience, right? Like maybe the, the bass player is the judge or whatever. Ref. Now you see how JC stands to the side and judges him, right? Yeah. I thought that, I don't know. We didn't really see that in the film except for that one time he was. I don't know. He just—he was a very friendly character. I don't see how this is. Oh, that shot is nothing but net. <laughs> that that shot was nothing but net, and it was a tennis film. Yeah. Look at him. Look at him. Oh, is he dead? Oh yeah. So whose dream did we watch? JC's or? Uh... Yeah, we were watching oh. JC's dream. As he dies. Right. As promised. He promised he would die in his sleep. He didn't promise the uh, dream sequence. That's the trick. You got to under under promise and over deliver. And over deliver. And that's it. He's gone. We're seeing pictures of his life. Mexican hat. Now she will inform Maud. I mean, he. Hey, Wilson. <laughs> well, so these are all his photos, his headshots from last ten years. Well, that's Bo Bridges, his mentor, um, his protege. Is that the word? Oh, I got you. Yeah. Ooh, so bright. There's his pink robe, right? The stylish. He was just going to walk into his mentor's bathroom, uh, bedroom. Well, who, Bo Bridges? He's nowhere yeah. nearby. Oh. This is like across town over in Dead World. So this is just a cameraman being artsy about it. Oh, yeah, no, he no. made a full circle and showed pictures of his life. Oh, she walked in and found him. I got you. No, nobody found anybody. Oh, she got the news. So the cameraman right. did it. The cameraman killed JC. And then shot a music video. He decided Aerosmith's video. Wow. Funeral. You know, Hertz is number one in car rentals. Yeah, when Budget heard that news, it hurts. Oh, that's a good movie. Okay. Oh, no, Thank you right. for watching. Oh, oh damn. Damn it. Right, he has to die at the end. Pacific Coast Highway. Now you see that car and you said, maybe he's going to die. Maybe he's going to die. But nope. Nope, not DeLorean. Okay, so the guy playing the guitar in this, I forget his name, but he made a really big deal about it on his website. Like this was the greatest thing ever. You'll never even see his face. Wonk, wonk. Wonk. Strum, strum. Right. That's, we, I, I knew of there a bag. Is. That's, you see his nose? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's all you're going to see. On his website, he's like, I was in a major motion picture, the Christian liquor store. Also at Frank's Garage and Pizza Shop on March 27th. I'll really? Bazerga's open mic on March 44. I'm going. I'm going to check him out. <laughs> he was in that movie, remember? Christian liquor store? Christian liquor store, yeah. Oh, licorice pizza? No, 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 no. No, no. Not licorice pizza. Oh, no, not a gross pizza. It, it played in the village for one day. <laughs> right. It was screened in the village. Now, it was released in Texas and where was it? Boston. Well, That's Paris. Yeah, Boston. But, you know, I don't know. There are no budget numbers on this film that I... Maybe that's not true and I just didn't write them down, but... This film didn't make money. It just spent money. Well, that's my album cover right there. This is all just brooding and I don't know. It's a bummer. His friend died. I just got on Facebook Messenger. Look who died in a link. That's Don't so. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I yeah, tomorrow I'm going to get a thing that said, "Sorry, guys, I was hijacked." Is there a link? You should click it. Oh yeah, and yeah, you're in my contacts, right? You will be receiving emails. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you. Listen, Carl, your Bank of Massachusetts account has been hacked. You better yeah. check it. Click here. They had this whole pier they could sit on with their go to the rocks. It's all very boring. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing about this film. It's like, I feel like he loses interest or like the movie loses interest with him. It does. I mean, now she'll be asking him, how do you feel about JC? And he'll freak out, you know, don't ask me how I feel, you know, because he's a dude. Right. So there's a little drama at that moment, but other than that, this is just walking around, remembering, talking about GSC. The guy who wrote this music, right, the, the score by composer Leo Schifrin, who you called out in the credits, he wrote the theme for Mission Impossible. I knew I recognized that name. He also wrote the scores to Cool Hand Luke, Bullets, PX. PHX 1138, which is the same year as this, Enter the Dragon, The Four Musketeers, Amityville Horror, Rush Hour Trilogy, blah, 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 blah. Dirty Harry films. So he's a big deal. And Fred Mertz is this guy's dad. I think that's so cool. Ethel, you're driving me crazy. Oh, Fred. You can hear it in her voice. He's just not want to be there. Hey, Lucy, let's go to the club. I'll come. Oh, God, no. So he just yelled at her, and now he's trying to explain himself. I'm a cool guy, see? First guy who ever told me how to handle girls said, like, you gotta be cool. Now that I got to the most uh, remote space in Los Angeles, (laughs) I'm gonna start flipping out. Now, you'd know his dad is Lloyd Bridges. Yeah. Um, 
His name is Lloyd Burnett Bridges III. That's his name. His parents immediately started calling him Bo after Ashley Wilkes's son in Gone with the Wind, 1939, a book they were reading at the time. Interesting. So that it's so that's why it's B E A U. Right. Like the French beautiful. Yeah. He appeared with his father in five films. And there's, yeah, here it is. This is interesting. Lloyd Bridges, Dylan Bridges, his son, and Bo Bridges, they played three generations of the Crest family in Outer Limits Sand Kings, 1995. I just think it was the, neat. They were in it as father, son, and uh, grandfather, father, and son. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Take that, Bo. Take that, Kirk Douglas. Yeah, that's right, with your yeah. ones. You're one generate. Wait, did they? No, no, it's you. There, there was a movie, it's like it runs in the family or it has to be family. And it had uh, what did we Douglas, see? Michael Douglas. We saw Diamonds with uh, Dan Aykroyd and Kirk. He just had a stroke and he was acting. And that, no, and also this movie I saw where it was, it was Michael uh, Douglas's son, I think Cameron right. Douglas was in it. We saw him in that Adam and Eve movie. National Lampoon's Adam and Eve. I think he co-wrote that or something. <laughs> so now he's just sick of her. He's sick of her. Whoop. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't want to be in this picture anymore. But you see, he's sick of her, but not because they said, come out to a Hollywood party tonight. And she goes, I don't want to go. It wasn't like that at all. Uh, you know, where were you on Friday? I got a last minute offer for a commercial. You know, there's none of that. It isn't really what the internet talks about. He's corrupted by Hollywood. It's not. He decides he doesn't like her on his own. The, the, his manager just died and he's all bummed out. But he- the He's going into the bathroom to hide. He doesn't have like vodka under the sink. <laughs> The beginning of the movie is like Miss Lonely Hearts. It's like, you know, or uh, what's not Miss Lonely, Day of the Locust. It's it's this, this uh, it reminds me of uh, Somewhere, the Sofia Coppola movie with uh, Stephen Dwarf driving his fancy sports car as a movie star and he stops mm -hmm. the car and he walks away from the, the Hollywood, like the DeLorean, the tunnel leading towards Hollywood, going through real nature, drilling a hole through nature and then getting to a, a uh, but, you know, a disaster area underneath Hollywood. It's all a metaphor. Did so I it's, see that movie? Well, I'm talking about the opening of this film, right? Like, do we have a tunnel? We go through somewhere you should. Absolutely. I like that movie a lot. Okay. Uh, Vox Lux was your first recommendation. Yeah. What's this one called? Uh, somewhere. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it's it's good. It's Stephen Dorff as a movie star, and uh, so that's the Hollywood metaphor. Coppola, Coppola, and he has a fancy car that symbolizes the lifestyle. Wow, they had to blur out the hotel art. I wow, really? I didn't. Well, know that. sometimes with YouTube, I'm like, I love this digital. I love how dark this movie looks. 
I'm like, oh, I think it's you two. Look, she, she knows. Doesn't... She knows he's lost yeah. his interest. Now we see two sports things for some reason. We see Lou Gehrig and we see Babe Ruth. Ooh, ooh. Okay, are we gonna get? We get the speech. I mean, that's coming up in the second segment. Uh, love baseball. Yeah, and Babe Ruth was a hell of a woman. So this, this, uh, you would figure you'd watch something, but like tennis, not him. Right. Now here's Lou Gehrig. Oh, here's the speech. Today, Carl took my parking spot as I was driving into the stadium. <laughs> now, the thing is, like, they always make that dumb joke that Lou Gehrig died of Lou Gehrig's disease. What are the odds of that, right? Right. But how come they never make that joke for Lou leukemia? Oh, yeah, leukemia. Oh, well, the... don't, yeah, don't you think it's odd, leukemia? Died yeah. of leukemia? What about your friend Co? What, what are the odds of that? Yeah, COVID? Never. <laughs> Lewis Kemia. Okay, now he's going to win. Oh, so fun. Oh, no, this, no, no, no. This must be JC in his youth. Oh, all right. Well, that explains why we're watching it. Because I went from the baseball to the baseball to this. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. why I feel like he just left his film. You know what's weird, Mike? I zoned out during the sports stuff and missed that every single time I saw this film. Because this film's like letting you, uh, allowing you to zone out. Right. Look, we're looking at his. Hollywood lifestyle. Look, he said a lot. It's a studio. Oh, see, this was in the opening credits. Oh, they're shooting his commercial. Oh, yeah. Now, the clapboard in this scene says the Christian liquor store. Well, maybe that's the uh, Colony selling in this uh, in 1969. Wow. Oh, wait. Ver vertical hold, horizontal hold. Oh, yeah. Classic. Shooting TV on Sports film. Sports Illustrated. He's selling out. Look at the seats. Sold out show. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's Tim Buckley. Okay, you can listen if you want. Oh. That's funny. My neighbors hate me already today. I mean, my studio neighbors. It's a good-looking guitar. Yeah, suede. So this is his. Sweet. This isn't really his cameo in the film because it'll be in another scene in which they're on a picnic. Um, he's not performing. He's just getting a sandwich. He's yeah, yeah potato salad. Right, right, and um, Maud's not taking any pictures, and he finds it peculiar. I just saw him take one, but he'll say that at the end. He's taking one right now. Yeah, I don't know why, though. That's what... 
Yeah, I guess right now he, she just looks at him and he says that. Look at smoking in the studio. That's so stupid. Right. Well, even with the big lights like that. <clears throat> this remember, so you just smoke anywhere. Remember, you would yeah. absolutely. All right, turn on the keg lights. You want to smoke? Yeah. Ugh, put on some pants. Some of the the greatest things happen when you're naked. Maybe that's why they're showing this scene. I don't know. He's, like, he's posing as Bigfoot. No, that's it. They're no longer. They are not an item anymore. They are split up because Bo just sort of quit on her. Right. Now, here's Monroe again. As soon as Bo is out of the... He brought his family. I want you, Mom and Dad, I want you to meet my parents. We'll go on a picnic. Well, it's the folk singer. Oh, right. Alan Arbus, Maude Adams, and then another person who the internet didn't care to even tell me about. Plus one. <clears throat> so, of course, Monroe asks, I heard your friend was in a movie. And she goes, I don't know. We haven't talked to him in a long time. Like, they're all split up now. That's the folk singer. Right. <clears throat> Mystery woman. Oh, the old carousel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like a good time. Like, hey, guys, why don't you take a break and uh, stay in character and shoot? Oh, they had chestnuts? Now they're talking <clears throat> little talk, you know, like, I want pesticide for the ants. I don't spray that stuff. It's all natural, blah, 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 blah. But then he asks, I heard your friend was in a movie. And she goes, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a long time. She, he says, do you miss him? And she goes, sometimes. I don't know. They're split up now. Uh. It doesn't really lead to anywhere. We don't understand why. And, like, he stopped seeing Monroe, so... I guess if Bo is gone, she will be back to Monroe. I don't know. Well, I don't understand. Like, this movie is about him. I mean, it's a relationship and stuff. So that's why we're seeing more of her right now. But, oh, yeah, finally. Him. This whole movie is about their relationship. From his now perspective. we're seeing them apart. We're about to get an acid trip. Right now, we're going to get a trippy. I think the dream was much better. But right. That's so what is, we're going to get. This is a drunken night out. It's a drunk. Um, is he is he tripping? I that's the vibe I get as the scene goes on. Uh, you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. The director's doing that kind of. But the thing is, he is at a Hollywood party, I guess. But Hollywood didn't make. He broke up with Maude for no Hollywood reason at all. But he's not practicing tennis right now. He's going out. Right. And if he's tripping on acid, then it's not cool for his athleticism, right? Oh, man. It looks like a tough room to perform at. The guy tap dancing in the living room. Yeah. You know, tap dancing is just as cool as being a mime. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really entertainment you hire anymore. I saw these two guys whistle. They had a whistling act. Like it was kind of a vintage style radio uh, vaudevillian trick. And it was like, well, yeah. 
My son was me a mime now. So he was upstairs in his room, and I was like, hey, keep it down up there. He was practicing his miming. Keep it down. Do you get the joke? So here he wakes up alone in a swimming pool the day after either a drunken thing or a trippy trip. Didn't like uh, he asked you if you were a mime and you said, no, you're no son of mime. Because <laughs> you weren't a mime. He's your right. son. So and he's no son of mime. Son of mime. Oh. God, what a night. This When I passed out, it was filled with water. <laughs> right. Oh, I was so thirsty when I went into school. Oh, my God. Uh, did I drink? How much did I drink? I got to pee. <laughs> it's classy of him not to pee in the pool. Oh, no, I take that back. Here he goes. Now, look, he just pulled a girl out of the bushes. He must have. We, they, we might, you know, that's in the director's cut, that scene where they meet. You don't think he's having a decadent Hollywood lifestyle right now? I think he is having a decadent Hollywood lifestyle right now. But I'm saying the internet was trying to say he gets corrupted by Hollywood. That's not what happened. He hit rock bottom, so he went to Hollywood's world. Wait a minute, what's he... Uh, He's saying, my driver, my driver left. Let me borrow your car. He goes, sure, man. Whatever you want, man. It's Here. a DeLorean. Is it DeLorean? My fingers yeah. are crossed. We're getting to the DeLorean. The doors that go up straight to the sky, is that only DeLorean? Because then, yes, it's a DeLorean. Yeah, I think that was his signature, signature trick. Okay. Nobody else did. Okay, so there it is. Dun, dun, dun. It's like Donnie Darko. Oh, no, it's the bunny rabbit. The rabbit. <laughs> Why do you always that, wear that stupid rabbit costume? <laughs> do people drive DeLoreans like that? Like, does that feel cool? I guess it has to. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it in the film. It looks like it's going to be a plane. Right. I saw one of those, a car can transform into a plane, but you had to stop and click it all into place. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to put the wings, what you do, like the model kit. So our movie's going to end now. There's Bo Bridges, not a stunt person. He likes to drive these, vintage, he gets a chance to drive all these vintage cars around. Yeah. I guess that's Bo Bridges, not a stunt person. Wow, so Bridges is entering a tunnel. And screech, we hear, uh, we don't even get to see it. We hear right. a screech. Early 70s ending. Oh, here's the commercial. Hey, oh man, my balls are shaft after a match like that. That's why I use talcum powder. Talcum powder is good, stays on the short and curlies, and soothes my testicles after a great match. <laughs> Whether it's, today. whether it's Wimbledon Open, U.S. Open, or just go to ShopRite, Johnson Johnson cancer-free talcum powder keeps cancer you free. <laughs> keeps your balls feeling light on the court, like a good tennis player. I went so, to the U.S. Open; they were closed. Available at all Christian licorice store. stores. Speaking of which. That was Christian Licorice Store. 
Oh, uh, with with uh, Bo Bridges and Vaughn Adams. Uh, I, uh, let's take a moment before we even see the. the there's Monty Hellman. Gilbert Gottfried, the late Gilbert Gottfried. Which, uh, like Gilbert Gottfried. Giljo There's some like some movie people. Larry Gelman, that's a movie guy. That's the writer of Mash, right? He was the assistant director. But there's like uh, I thought that was like Mark uh, Martikoff, some Hollywood producer. Oh, here we go. Let's take a look. Yeah, let's yeah. see if we can find the MASH guy. There we go. Mike, see, do you see Mike Metavoy? Yes. He's produced, like, every film you've seen. Like, he's a real Hollywood producer. He, he was in the party scene. Yeah. That's they why all I had think. lines and stuff. Kind of like, you ever see that um, Orson Welles' last movie where it takes place at a Hollywood Sugar, screening? Sugar Bear. Uh, okay. No, I didn't see it. What's it called? The Other Side of the Wind. Netflix bought the exclusivity, so you can see it on Netflix. The Other Side of the Wind? Yeah, and then he, there's a documentary about it, which is a little as, as interesting. It's an interesting movie. Oh, yeah. Pleasant Street, Pleasant written Street. performed by Tim Buckley. So the Christian Licorice store is located on Pleasant Street. I Well, they were wearing Christian Licorice clothes. I know they were looking down at me with their licorice Christians, their Christian licorice clothes. So is it like church clothing Christian or like the licorice is Christian? What's I, like Jewish I, licorice is some I, I'm more familiar with, I guess. You're more familiar with Jewish licorice? Yeah. Which is that anise, uh, the black licorice. That's licorice. That's a little, that's kosher, I guess. Oh man, Carl, whew, what a trip. Because the licorice, <laughs> licorice store. Um, I didn't, I, um, it was good for your show. There was lots to talk about. I don't think anyone's heard of this film. We found, finally found a film. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was some really neat tricks in there, but honestly, like, it just seemed a little, it missed the mark, you know, mm -hmm. but he, he does go for some, the director does some big swings, you know, like, and having the film literally be part of the movie, the opening credits. Oh yeah. That was really really pretty cool the way that the opening credits were in the film they were watching yeah and 12 minutes into the film so, and then there's some other shots like the it isn't like a boring you know a shot a stock footage of a plane leaving it's like you put a camera underneath the plane you know mm -hmm. like so there's some neat stuff but i feel like the character just loses interest and like leaves yeah and we know he's I like die. the dream sequence you're right that like we lose interest because Bo Bridges lost interest in everything. Yeah. His girlfriend and Well, gosh. Well, now we never have to talk about this film. Good news, we're gonna watch another piece of shit movie next week. Okay, all right. I'm looking forward to it. Next Sunday we are watching Drive In Massacre from nineteen seventies. Drive in Massacre. It features everything we like, a word that has the word ass in it, and a drive in. <laughs> Uh, so there is a trailer, uh, M ass acre is how you spell it. Yeah. M ass acres is the place <laughs> to be. Uh, so let me see. This Ask is me. all right. So I want you to go find drive-in massacre theatrical trailer. This is Severin films. Official is the one totally. It's a no very popular, yeah. It's a very popular movie on the internet. There's hundreds of trailers and movie versions up up there, but we like Severin. 
Severin Films Official. No yep. space is our no space. drive-in massacre, drive-in M Ass Acre theater trail theatrical trailer. Theatrical so. trailer. There you go. All right. So let's watch this movie uh, trailer in three, two, one, go. I'll crank up the volume. By the way, this has been approved for restricted audiences only. You must be tied to a chair. How you sent in the California drive, it all began. Oh, I like that. Lala, it will be the same like nothing you'll ever seen before. An absolute and total horror. Oh, let's make out of the drive-in. Yeah, there's no maniacs around here. Hey, <laughs> We're safe. I'm drunk. Come on. Uh-oh, your hand's going to get cut off, dude. Did you don't do it? Didn't you read the title of the movie? Oh, oh drive there it is, drive in massacre. Scream. Oh, there's more to this trailer. There's cops. Yes. Hey, we found this space in the community center. Well, it's now our police station. <laughs> Wonder where in California. Ooh, a movie within a movie, literally. Get out. That's so drive-in. The popcorn butter is artificial. Get out when you can. <laughs> Let's all get murdered. Oh, look at the prices, huh? He did it, right? Look at that fucking Jughead hat. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Chico probably fucking killed himself when he saw that hat. Oh, it's too soon. You talking about Freddie Prince? It's too soon. Oh, I was talking about Chico Marx, who must have died in 77. <laughs> Groucho died in 77, right? Do you think it's because of this movie? Uh, this no. no, I think he just expired. Ooh, not only is there a drive-in massacre, but there's a guy driving out of a parking spot. Drive out parking spot. Uh-oh. Amusement park massage. That's Buck Flower. Buck Flower. Why do I know that name? Because he's always the bum. He was the bum in Back to the Future 3. Uh, That's Back right. To the Future. He was in... We saw him in something, right? Yeah. Fake Out. Oh, was it? Oh, the the Pia, Pia Zora movie? Pia Zadora. Wow, so you can tell this movie is exciting. Now they're in a warehouse massacre. Yeah, there's not a lot of drive-in here. I don't know. Like, would you see drive-in massacre in a drive-in? I don't know if I can. That's risky. It's risky. And finally, it will make you scream in it's terror. It's like seeing Sundance, ah. movies, Sundance Film Festival killings. Premiering That's been deemed too terrifying. The risk is entirely your own. So, I mean, excuse me, the risk is entirely yours. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is our next week's movie, Drive In Mass Asker, uh, <laughs> from 1977. Uh, but we warn you, watch it at your own peril, okay? Right. It's yeah. entirely up to you. Listen, you can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your laptop. Do not watch this movie in the drive-in. We'll see oh. you guys next week. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Mutiny Radio, later next week. See ya. L W A F L M O Y T L W A F L M O Y T L W A F L Okay, all right, pass. Okay, one more time. No, no, one more time. We gotta go back to the first one. Oh God. Okay. You don't know what O C is all about. All right, let's do the first one. Right. L W A F L M O Y T. Again. L W A F L M O Y T.
L W A L F L O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full It's the heading and quorum of Quora.com to lively and livingly ask questions which can be believable to answer, and vices and verses, with a visa to do so, I do, and this is AquaQ with the dissertations for the believability of a sustainability with abilities from a noble and gaseous wit, satisfied with the satisfaction of elemental reasoning of spin and orientation in these matters of charged discharge of information for each and every, and here is now. If energy cannot be created and gravity works constantly, then why does the Earth's gravitational energy not run out since it is not coming from any other energy source? Gravity's constant is known to be near or identical to time itself, and as time postulates itself by the transfer of material between matter and light, as imagined, and as light as energies have no friction and can be operated from far away, this brings our origin to ourselves and its constant and continuation of our spin, from our very electron, and up and through the planet, ionic and helical, and as we continue to spin an offshoot energies and transferences and draw in from our core while simultaneously emanating, we provide and what is provided is this equilibrium in our verses of the Gestalt carries us in spatial time which is understood to be continuous and thus is. And in this closed loop, with an infinity of accessibility, energies of the kind and kind of kindness will never deplete, for the purposes of participation of all systems rely on the very physics which operate all material and optionally, light itself. More can be observed on a semi-regular basis at AquaQ Labs, a subtext. Peace plus love from slash senfinsco slash AquaQC3W. Why can we not live on the sun? Even though astral sometimes material or light, the sun's energy is required to be requited by our matching ionosphere and ionic energy reversals within our planet, and thus, our lives are how we know each other and our travels take us where we welcome each other, and thus the sun is a poorly habitable place, has not been traveled to welcome another on or near around, and so on with that. Sun, we love you, but not to visit. Peace plus love from slash Sanfinsco slash C3W. Can finite exist independent of nothingness? For anything to exist it must be comparable, and thus nothingness is just that and does not exist, and to answer your question of finite, is only as material witness to what I available to view as a continuity of the nonness. In other words the ending portion which is only observable to the extent where the observer has just and given up towards the transition of energies for which the infinite is the continuum in continuation. Peace plus ever and ongoing love from slash senfinsco slash aquaqc3w edition not to these to be found at aquaclabs.com smile. Why is it cooler in the deep underground than on the surface? Surface heat comes from the sun, but where does the cool temperature originate? The offset of our sun's ability to heat the surface and the same from the core of our planet, meeting at some crust high levels in between, is where the temperature is temperate for humans.
beneath lesser so, and so the cooling is in fact both the absent of light, not only carried on with our oceans as a fixture of temperature deep below the levels that humans survive. Well that's mostly it I think. The oceans cool our planet and keep the deep levels cool, and while under pressure, while water does not pressurize itself, the weight of water as a surrounding mass, keeps a steady cold hand on the plate tectonics and likely is siphoned into the planet to further provide a vein for cooling. Hum. Importance of environmental conservation? It's our very nature to naturally provide as life what materials are required for ourselves and our lichen kind, as well as a set of instructions to say, roadmaps as to our successes which can be replicated when cleaned and followed, thus reciprocating for the all who participate. Our short story involves a caterpillar and as well its mate and also the organisms which provide the returning nutrients to the soil and very plant which our caterpillar sits and eats atop and discovers his place in his lifetime amongst the lifetimes of others in likened kind. The importance should be and is obvious in all aspects, and noted by our divide of physics, chemistry, and all the sciences, and when combined as a simple observable actionable sequence of life and livelihood, the well and well off and on and on again they can keep this discovery in their successes as they proceed with the furthering of the creation of life, and that is our survival, at the very least and only what is actually required for this whole spherical thinking to work is a process of processes, and they carry us and we carry on with and for it, life itself. More can be read about our character, the caterpillar and his apparent appearance within this associated podcast from AquaQ Labs, a subtext via this direct link, Ecosystemics. Peace plus love from slash San Francisco slash AquaQC3W. How did we transition from living in the ocean to coming on land? I would imagine, that if life began from space, as our planet is spatial so very likely our material stems from that origin, and so with 75% water and like in our bodies of humanity are also thus. I kind and think along the lines of the primordial soup which was not like an ocean at all. But more to your point, have we ever left the ocean? In totality with our 75% water, and salted electrolytically at that, we are much like an ocean, however warm-blooded and seeking the core of the earth as we travel in globule fashion spinary towards the planet and the warmth of the sun? Our transition does not even include the ocean per se, as we are buoyant and can't digest seawater nor live in its below temperate temperatures and while soaking our semi-permeable skin in its brine. And so, I may be way off on a time basis of discovery, but for what is human we know, and to further suppose your questioning, any portion of our being which enjoys a beach, enjoys land, as we do, and a deep seeding in the ocean would likely put us on at the surface where ne'er could be done for our livelihood in a far off and away setting as a whale might enjoy. To be eaten perhaps, as any of us trying to live in those climates would find, and fast. So heady perhaps elements of life which have been discovered, only provide the observability of what successes has worked in all lives and is compared with genetic material, they indicate a base level of encoding which is not fully understood although likely is a simple map of our place of origin and the paths and hurdles are simplistic gestures more likely, and our continuation in the abstract of life which exists simultaneously all across the planet, as a sort and sorted astral imagination and cross-breathing of ideas.
I don't believe man looks to the deep sea for thought, as I believe water itself as well as the facing downward to do so would be offsetting of our light bearings of motion. And so very little could be built as homogenic and substantively cohesive as living progress in those directions. And a bit more of that can and should be discovered at AquaQ Labs, a subtext. With peace plus love C3W. How are dust bunnies formed? And if they're dust bunnies, why aren't they layers of hardened dust? How do they become so cottony soft? Static electricity. The dust is mited, a bit whirly and the strands in the air collect a static charge from the air to ground. For the same reason, as formed from above ground at some level, they drop and collect a charge, and as they fall or collect on one another, this charge creates a fluffery because the strands surrounding a speck of dust are so slight, and eaten in a regular pattern by mites. Enjoy your dust. They do. AquaQ. AquaClabs.com Why is experiment necessary for theory? Try all you want to get it on the first try. Your thinking or idea of a working system will readily be tested by anybody, and so that starts with you, if you wish to name the theory and participate with the word, as part of the described scientific method. This is not to say that truth cannot be known, see the double negative, I hate that, but anyway, to be testable within the realms of science, they must chart and be available to the means in which our sciences operate as each and as the many. Further, experimentation, since you asked, must follow that order of a hypothesis at first, and not a random experimentation in which you discover something random to describe as truth, and in this manner utilizes the brain and our knowledge of all the systems we practice in our profession to learn and be learned, etc. within these systems, and further indicates to us the good measure, literally, as confirmation of our ability to perceive truth reciprocally for truth itself in these many systems which operate for us to perceive. Good system, eh? It very likens nature, in which a desire for action is taken and the results provide an immediate actionary correlation in spatial materials and partial observability to the effects to be utilized justly. The keyed up shot is choice, of course. Hence our need to declare our intentions within science to proceed with the signage and paperwork of and about it. Peace plus love aquaclabs.com What are considered good deeds? It is likely, as likened by the promotion of another for all the likeness of oneself and another observable aspects for and about the it, which is our deed but also the success of a deed to be complete and within a physics which equals the perception of the word, as also observable, which is included as per above. This description is much in alike life's natural and abilities to proceed in reciprocality, which provides our energies to and for another and for the parties to party on and on, forward and in reversal which is also forward towards others. And this is how an atom works, and why we spin it all. Peace plus love, from slash senfansco slash, AquaQ Labs, a subtext. AquaQ C3W. What is the difference between truth and dialectics? Funny, you should ask. A difference is exacting in what a dialectic is, wherein truth is the absolute you intend to reason yourself into, perhaps easily, or more likely with a fervor which provides for your desires for your abilities and means to perhaps argue and win, or perhaps initially to define and describe your own methodology to be followed, as a linguistic elegance of nature. Natural is in language, and although discoverable, 
one may find our positioning for truth at some angles, are disclosed in language with our many meanings for the same word, and as inflected and placed and paused, indicates the direction and parties involved in the truer forms, as believed, and indeed as natural inescapable truths in those moments, although further in time these may prove and disprove by further altering the orientation of the observable components for the truth one wishes to describe or begin detailing it to a degree which a simplistic nod no longer suffices. And so, you find yourself here. And in the future you may be tends to know that you've passed to past and presently, may be a new gifted wink for you and others to chatter over and discover the only absolute, which is the carrying on from such matters as discovers and discoverable, and forward in that thinking, and precise as naturally able to be chemically understood and in a natural setting such as known to our consciousness, as we operate it ourselves and with that bit of non-observance, which is needed for the UN altering dissemination of our closet and proximity of truth to allow nature to continue its function, as life worth living. More on and about chatterings found here, and at AquaQ Labs, a subtext. In further, even fictional writings which mimic truth as near as my willingness to lay characters down to a spinny woman believe thing and send it into space, AquaQ. Why are all viruses parasites? Viruses utilize in a fashionable means to solely produce for its own kind, narrow thought or action to be reciprocal for a system, and justly so as physics of our bodies is concerned, as we are for our bodies, and other like bodies and kind are kind to us. Viruses are not or are right and out, as we propose for them, sneeze. And on to another perhaps, see? Using our own mode of a savior to further itself on another, foolery and time again, to give anything to a virus is to be taken by this very fashion which helps and tools itself, which by design is our ability to discover and rid ourselves of it and because its only reciprocality is in this matter, it carries on and we carry on with the behavior of being at each other, and that is in actuality what it desires, to be at literally our throats, as an entry and exit point, and laughable, even to that point, if a virus does even learn to read vocal cords, it may attempt to convince even own own subconscious, that it's in and of itself, a pretty good idea, and that perhaps with luck it'll all work out of course meaning in the mean part of itself meant to be and get its way and your way is, out, which it believes you want, as it see itself as reciprocal to yourself, without the very concept that is is different, as it has no perspective on systems of living to maintain its own body by any means, and never will. Because it sucks at it, and us, and we suck at it too, which is probably how it learned that in the first place, and first serve everything and carry it only as far as its inability to be successful and it is successful, and so that particular reasoning for itself, carries on and on and on. Dissertations continue at AquaQ Labs, a subtext. Peace plus love. What will happen in society without science and technology? As both science and technology exist and have existed in societies for many years, you must be indicating a backwards traveling wherein we suddenly believe that a belief and its accompanying actions no longer exist or are workable. So we start with technology, as this makes a lot of people upset due to its dissemination beyond the timelines of nature, applied to many and sometimes all aspects of living for the many, as not yet understood, and in very often cases, encased in deep and glued plastic and capped with the insignia of a corporate wealth not to be trusted much across the country of origin, if even that. 
So further, we look at technology, perhaps as an extension of sciences, where of course science is required to replicate a technology such that can be used with any degree of well usability. And so intertwined may be those who wish to dissolve one and thus the other, with their forward procession of backward compatibility in their resolve to do so, and thus here is the crux. Those that didn't learn it in the first place, are subject to another predisposition to discount any availability from the onset of another, and this very obvious non-discourse can never be backed up, and turns and turns on itself as only enforceable by might and mightier, dark clouds and unwieldy wieldment of an armory of nonsensical movement of arms, upwards very likely which naturally indicates the only direction they care and ask without a recording and process to process the results. And as each individual discounts the markup markings of each other's successes, we find near each other or any mapping. And this continuation, to answer your questioning fully, leads to many becoming said leader in the wildlings he or their group can devise a means to fool and mask the physics with irony these days, in technology, used to spread masses of disinformation, not for the disinformation itself, but the vastness of variety of nonsensical thinking which goes on, including the images and soliality of a concept in random space-time, as our brains are now accessed, by the technology that we possess and possesses us, at a cost and costing us and like an akin without a family fond, and etc. So we're left then with our continued distrust further, of technology as it's betrayed us as we see it, and there goes our society. It's odd that you ask such a question, as science at many points in the success of living has been absolute and proven to provide, and even as recently as science is used to market dog food to perhaps dogs watching televisions themselves. It is still accurate in its methodologies and thus produces the results we put into it, as a workable system. And technology, well, as stated above, has been put into the hands of the many at a high cost to themselves, and the others who are wielded against, for example our internet at large, which briefly was an observation of how a system operates, as Unix from the 1970s, even down to file permissions which indicated our perception of how natural beings interact, and how our networks and file systems mimic our own brains and natural societies themselves. The further grief is that we dumb down systems so that we could dumb down people, or provide the word smart a simple dollar cost to any participant who wished to be. And hence, they displace themselves and the others. And that is a natural reciprocality at work. And it continues to work in a suck-and-suck fashion. And when two people suck, it just doesn't work out at all, and so that goes and is likely likened to the smart party, doesn't matter which is actual, jumping out of a rowboat, and leaving the other party scattered around with either a boat or an oar, and deciding how to survive with the remainder of unusable material in their uncertain location in spatial time. And hence, this had been a bit and about the writings from AquaQ Labs, a subtext. Peace. If kinetic energy is converted to thermal energy upon impact, how many times do you need to slap a chicken to be able to cook it? I think you'd prefer a quick rubbery, that is to rub, and use a friction, unless you intend to tenderize the chicken at first, and to joke. It depends how flat the chicken is, and also how alive it is, whether warm or cold etc. But I could imagine, and also it's your material if you chose the friction route although also consider the roughness which would tear apart the very chicken. So perhaps, 
You also consider the waste, or in our case, a chicken nugget. And onward this thinking continues, but I gesturally conjecture that there is no kinetic energies to be solely utilized in cooking a chicken to the 165 some odd degrees required to be eatable for a human. Well and even rarely said to that point, it is now known to be true on Twatra's smile. Why couldn't God just kill Satan? Oh zero, good one, get it? Well, as in wellness, the speed at which life carries on is the exacting needs to provide for life itself, in its totality as a continuous system, and so, Satan exists to expedite itself sometimes as unnoticed, and enough so in facts that provide only a partial view if only that which is seen on a surface temperature, of which temperature is indeed utilized as in our friendly so snake, as depicted, and as like, any reflection of non-magnetic silver no less, further depicts only an image, and not an astral sensory, unless as projected from an interior and outwards to those willing to observe those particular angles of imagery. This is straying from the point, and to your question, far removed is again your answer, and given the nature involved, and thus choice. Life chooses to not destroy matters of further choice, unless not deft enough to cause destruction itself outside of the laws of physics. More P.S. on the projected non-observance of said latter creature and creatures, tied to themselves and their means to enforce their own rules out of fear of their own necks. We find, and find them quite and easily, and there are so many of them, at least the unsuccessful are willing to adopt and allow others their options to further do so, that anyway. Death is not an option for an entirely of sometimes always some ways or another, and our furthering option on the matters involved are to utilize our primary and light energies, directed towards those with a means to reciprocate that light, as light given to the shadows lead to an only and luckily temporary displacement and amazement of anybody caring to look into those shadows, and however magnificent the spectacle, the powers which drive life and light are simply not available for the long-term sustenance of even our planetary systems, and further any observance in a manner corollary to a pure utilization with observance and without a dissemination of the properties of living, and to be specific, a specified cancelling of messaging in a language designed and maintained to zero out energies, and thus not carry any messaging of a natural form of life and still somehow carry the matters and matter only which contains a possibility of death, and however one may believe in their allegiance to one side or the other, the temperate goes on, and with any fervor of excitement leads the possibility of the luxury of one or another, leading to an offset and temptation, as is our origin of issue in these matters, and just typing this message, I can see the acknowledgement of fact, and it has these stages, when one might be inclined to confuse attendance with power, and is attended, and to power such visionary ideas as pretend they come from oneself, and further may mock their own discounting of such an encounter, and be known that this message is relayed in a manner as to observe what messaging works to dissuade you from operating within the realm of, in this case, the other, which is only evident in these comparisons, as life is one another, and continuing this message is what we are designed to do, and so this foolery will fool ourselves every single time, and the apple, well they're delicious, and how did I know that? And you? Well, we have a whole, and a lot, and then some, and the opposing forces keep us at opposite ends, with us in the middle, grounded, for the most part, and we with our luxury envision the change and emanate the electrics as the bits of light which are sometimes particles, as they bind and not leave us.
as the aptly named Adam, in these figures of measuring the successes of living, life's influence on life is continuous and forever, as is the definition of continuity. And just who is the other guy? Well he's like that wolf in the story. Enough of you and as much as you provide for it, to base itself on yourself and your own abilities to just process the bits which you believe are greater, without the full knowledge of what was possible before you learned to forget the singularity which we couldn't tell you about. Not at the beginning and thus not ever, be thankful for that, how instantaneous a disaster that would have been to be told about it wrongly over and over again for